On the Posik Elip Kudeha Mishkan, Mishkan Hoedus, etc., Chazal tell us that the fact that it says Mishkan, Mishkan twice is a hint for the Mikdosh, our base of Mikdosh that was taken away as a collateral, as a security through the two Churbanois, the first base of Mikdosh and the second base of Mikdosh. The Rebbe asks, and as Mephorshim also asks, only one of the two times of the Mishkan, 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 is extra. Because one of the times the Mishkan need to say, to be describing what the Apostle is trying to tell us, that these are the accounts of the Mishkan. So how can we learn out from here, that the fact that it says Mishkan, Mishkan twice, is a hint for the two Churbanos of the two Bate Mikdash. Says the Rebbe, this itself tells us, that this Limud, this way of understanding the Apostle, Mishkan, Mishkan, is not that we're learning something out from an extra word, that there's an extra word, because then as we said, there's no, there's only one extra word, not two. But rather, as Rashi uses it as a remez, because we have the mishkon said twice, so the idea of a mishkon is like a mashkon, like a collateral, that means that if we look in the simple pshat of the word, ha-mishkon, mishkon, we're speaking about the mishkon, 100%. So we're just referring to the Mishkan. But in addition to that, there's a remez over here that the Mishkan also is from the word Mashkoin. And since it says Mishkan, Mishkan twice, there's a remez over here for the concept that the two Bate Mikdash were taken as a Mashkoin. Now, before continuing with understanding this way of understanding it, the Pasuk, the Rebbe now looks at another way of how the Pasuk is looked at by the Sephornu, who explains that when the Pasek says, Eilep Kudeha Mishkon, this is actually bringing out the tremendous advantage of the different parts, the vessels, the furniture, the different parts of, of the Mishkon. That because of the special mile, the special quality of the Kalim of the Mishkon, that's why they never got destroyed. Chazal tell us that you might think the things of the Mishkon got destroyed. The, the, learns out, the Gemara learns out from the words, Atze Shittim Oimdim. What does it mean these, these Atze Shittim are standing? It means they stand, they last forever. Furthermore, they never even fell into the hands of the enemies. That's all regarding the Mishkan. Why is the Mishkan so great? This is what, how the Sephardim explains it. As the Apostle goes on to explain the reason why it is eternal, why it never fell into the hands of the enemies, because it's Mishkan Oedus. This is the Mishkan of testimony. This is the Mishkan where the Oren is. Asher Pukadal Pi Moshe. This was ordered by Moshe. Avodas Alavim, Biadi Summer, etc., Betzalel, etc. These are all various different qualities that because of all of this, the Shechina was dwelling in their handiwork and they never even fell into the hands of the enemies. As opposed to the first Beis Hamikdash, which didn't have all of these qualities, even though it had the Shechina dwelling there, but nevertheless, the parts of the Beis Hamikdash were actually lost or destroyed or fell into the hands of the enemies. And even more so by the second Beis Hamikdash that didn't even have any of these things, because it also didn't have the Oren, it didn't have the Luchos. And, so, and it didn't have the Shechina there, and therefore it fell into the hands of the enemies. The Rebbe says, Yeshloimar, that the source for at least some of this pirush is from the Maimar Chazal in the Gemara. The Gemara says, The enemies had no control over the handiwork of Moshe. And therefore, once the Mikdash Rishon was built, 
So the oil moid with all of its parts, the boards, the hooks, the bars, the, the beams, the sockets, didn't fall into the hands of the enemies. Rather, they were all hidden away. So, and this is the basis for the same idea. Since this was ordered by Moshe, this itself is the reason for the nitzchis, for the eternity of the chelke, of the parts, and the kalim of the mishkan. So again, we had first Rashi's Pirish, which is telling us that there's a remez over here for the two bati mikdash. That's what the Pasuk is telling us. Then we had what the Sephornu is telling us, that this Pasuk is coming along and telling us why the Mishkan never got destroyed. Says the Rebbe, this mile of the Mishkan compared to the Mikdash is when you want to understand, when we're looking at the simple understanding of the Pasuk. That means on the simple level, the Mishkan being that it was the handiwork of Moshe Asher, Puka Dalpi Moshe, that's why it's eternal. Whereas the Bate Mikdash fell into the hands of the enemies and they were destroyed. So that's the way we're looking at the simple wording of the Pasuk. The Pasuk is simply speaking about the Mishkan. It's not even referring to the Mikdash. But what does Rashi tell us? That there's a Remez over here as well. There's a Remez. That means the Penimius. There's something being told to us also about the Bate Mikdash. That they too are eternal. And that's what Rashi means by saying that it was, was taken as a mashkoin. The Rebbe, in fact, says, with this we'll understand that that which seems to be very surprising, that the Pasek is hinting to the Churban based on Migdash with that word mashkoin, a mishkon, which is like from the word mashkoin, because usually when we take a lateral, when we take a security, the idea is that it's not being lost, it's not gone from the one who had it originally, it's going over from the hands of the borrower to the hands of the lender. And it's going to be there temporarily until eventually it will go back to the one who borrowed the money. So how are we applying that to the base Hamikdash? Seemingly it was destroyed. Says the Rebbe, because really, even the fact that they were destroyed doesn't mean chas v'shalom, that they're completely gone. Rather... It's in a way of mashkoin. It's a way of a security that eventually the Mikdash itself will come back. Both the first and the second will be returned to the Yidin. Says the Rebbe, the, this Mila that we're speaking about, the Nitzchis, the eternity, that is in the Mishkan over the Bati Mikdash, that the Mishkan itself was never destroyed, was never taken away, as opposed to the Mikdash which was destroyed at least externally. That's only as far as the parts and the vessels of the Mishkan are concerned. However, as far as the Kedusha of the place where the Mikdash was. So here actually, there's a certain advantage in the way the Shechino was dwelling in the place of the Mikdash in a certain sense, even more than in the Mishkan. As the Rambam tells us in Hilchus Beis Abchira, he says that in Kvarnisparish Betoyer, the Toyer tells us already about the Mishkan the Moshe Rabbeinu made, but that was only temporary. Once the Mish- Mikdash was made in Yerushalayim, now all other places are forbidden to build in them a house for Hashem and to bring Karbonis over there. And the only place that we have for all generations is only in Yerushalayim at the Haram And he brings the Pasuk, Zois Menuchasi, this is my resting place, Adei Ad forever. That means that the Kedusha and the place of the Mishkan, that was only temporary. The space that it took up, as the Pasuk says, is being compared to a tent. It's not a permanent place. Whereas, what's the place of a bias? A permanent place for the Shekhinah for all generations. That's only the Mikdash in Yerushalayim. 
And so too we're told, on the other hand, that we're not allowed to make a mikdash anymore for Hashem outside of Yerushalayim. Furthermore, when the first base of mikdash was built, it wasn't only that now we have a permanent place for the Shekhinah, but the Shekhinah then actually affected the place in an everlasting way, as the Rambam Paskins, that the Kedusha of the Mikdash and of Yerushalayim is, was, happened at that point when the, when the Beis HaMikdash was built, and it's also for all future times, because the Kedusha of the Mikdash, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim is because of the Shekhinah, and the Shekhinah can never be nullified. That means the Shekhinah caused a permanent Kedusha in that place. Says the Rebbe, from all of this we understand, that the fact that we said earlier in the Sikha, that Pepnimius, because of the remez of the Pasuk, we said that even the Beis HaMikdash has a certain eternity in it, similar to the Mishkan. We're not just speaking about the Kedusha that the place of the Mikdash has, which that will never be nullified, because we just said that in fact, if we're speaking about the space where the Mikdash is, that is even greater than the, than the Kedusha that the Mishkan had, as far as the space is concerned. So when we're saying that the Kedusha of, that the Nitzchi is the eternity of the Mikdash, is similar, it's Berem is similar to that of the Mishkan, we must say that there's something in the Mikdash as well, that's similar to the same eternity that we spoke about, the parts, the vessels, and the parts of the Mishkan itself. How do we understand this? In order to explain this a little bit better, we first need to, need to introduce what Chazal tells us on the Pasuk, This is a Pasuk telling us that up until now, while the Yidin are in the Midbar, they didn't come yet to a resting place, they didn't come yet to the place of inheritance. Chazal tells us, this, this double expression, Menucha and Nachalo, Menucha refers to Shiloi, the place where the Mishkan was built and stood for many, many years in Shiloi, and Nachalah, the inheritance, refers to Yerushalayim. Now simply, why we would call Yerushalayim and Nachalah an inheritance, and Shiloh is only called a resting place? Because Nachalah shows on something more permanent than a resting place. A resting place could also be when you're somewhere only in a temporary way. On the other hand, Yerushalayim, which as we said, the only place for all future generations is only Yerushalayim, that is called Nachalah, this is the inheritance. Says the Rebbe, but that cannot be enough of an explanation. Because, according to one opinion, it's actually exactly the opposite. That Menucha refers to Yerushalayim, and Nachala refers to Shiloi. That means the resting place we're calling Yerushalayim. Even though everyone agrees Yerushalayim is greater than Shiloi. So there must be a certain advantage also in the idea of a resting place. In other words, each one has a certain advantage. There's a certain advantage in Menucha over Nachala. There's a certain advantage in Nachla over Menucha. Each one has its own unique idea, which we're going to explain soon. And the Rebbe says, as we just said in regards to the Mishkan, what was eternal by the Mishkan? The parts of the Mishkan, the vessels of the Mishkan. But if we speak about the place where the Mishkan was, the Shechino was, <coughs> that was only a temporary place, we call it a Oihel. On the other hand, by the Mikdash, it's exactly the other way around. The place of the Mikdash, we said, it has a permanent, everlasting Kedusha, <coughs> is never nullified, whereas the building itself, the parts of the Mishkan, the Kalim, that was all destroyed, that had fallen into the hands of the enemies. Says the Rebbe, these two ideas are really the descriptions of Menucha and Nachla, a resting place or inheritance. What is the simple difference between the two? Menucha, resting place, is mainly describing the state of the person himself. 
In other words, he is in a state that he's not wandering around from one place to another. Rather, he is right now calmly, in a, in a serene way, in a calm way, in a restful place, staying in one place. Included in this would also be the things that are along with him, the things that go around together with him, his kalim, his vessels. As we see clearly, that the kalim, the vessels, the, whether it's the garments or other belongings of the person, have a very, very strong impact on the mindset of the person himself, much more than his house. In other words, these are the things that are closest to him. And this would all be included in the idea of menucha, what is resting together with him. On the other hand, Nachla is describing the thing itself, in this case like the land, the inheritance is describing the land, the piece of land that he's on, or something similar to that. Says the Rebbe, now this will help us understand why it is that Mishkan Shiloi, which in part was actually made from the Mishkan that Moshe Rabbeinu made, the Rambam tells us that they built a, a building in Shiloi, and they spread over the Yeriyos, those curtains, the coverings of the Mishkan, from Moshe's Mishkan, how do we describe it? We describe it menucha. What's the idea of menucha? In other words, the eternity in it is more related to the parts of the Mishkan, to the kalim of the Mishkan, or to the Yerios in this case of the Mishkan, those things that are moved around, that are carried along with the person. Which as we just explained, that's more the description of menucha. And that's why when we want to speak about the fact that in Shiloh there was a certain permanence, how are we describing it? We're describing it by menucha, that there was a resting place, which is more describing the state of mind of the person himself, along with his belongings. Where is it when it comes to the Mishkan? What did we say? The main mile of the Mikdash, sorry. What's the main mile of the Mikdash? Is not so much the vessels and the kalim of the Mikdash, of the Mikdash. But rather, we said it's the space, the land upon which it is. Therefore, how do we refer to it when we want to bring out that Mila? We call it Nachala, we call it an inheritance, which as we said, that's the, the describing the characteristic of the space, of the place, of the land where it's built. Says the Rebbe, to, to explain these differences between the Mishkan and the Mikdash, why is it by the Mishkan that we're mainly focusing on the Kalim, and the Mikdash we're mainly focusing on the space? says that ever we understand that the whole concept of something being eternal is something that cannot really be achieved by human beings, who are creations, who are limited, who are finite. This is only something that can be done by Hashem Himself. Therefore, when it comes to the parts of the Mikdash, you cannot say that essentially they are, they are eternal. Because, to use the expression of the Zoyar, the buildings of the Beis HaMikdash were binyana de Barnash, they were man-made, they were created by human beings. As opposed to the Mokoyma Mikdash, the place where the Mikdash was made, this has the eternal Kedusha, because this isn't something that people made, rather this is, as the Pasuk describes, Mokoyma Asher Yivchar, the place that Hashem Himself had chosen to rest over there. Or to use the expression that we brought before from the Rambam, that the Kedusha of the Mikdash is because of the Shechina that's there, and the Shechina is never bottled, that means the Shechina is in this particular space. In other words, <clears throat> it's not like when we built the Beis Hamikdash that caused that now there is going to be the eternal dwelling of the Shechina in that place. That was more like a hachana preparation that the place should be able to accept, and in a revealed way that the Shechina is there. But the actual fact that the Shechina is dwelling there is because Hashem chose this particular space, this particular place, and that's why it's eternal. When it comes to the Mishkan, it's actually the other way around. The Ashras Hashchin over there is not because of the place, the Mokim HaMishkan. There was no Lashak in Shmoy Shom that Hashem wants to rest in a specific space. 
Over there, it's the other way around. The Mishkan was made. Through that, by creating this, these Kalim and this Mishkan, etc., that was going to bring the Shekhinah there. And when this particular place is no longer has the Mishkan over there, the Mishkan moved from one place to the other, there's no Vasuli Mikdash, then automatically you don't have the Vishakhanti. Hashem is no longer dwelling over there. What about the parts of the Mishkan? The Kalim of the Mishkan? Now they were made by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is described as Eved Hashem, a faithful servant. The whole Metzius, the whole entity of a servant, is the Metzius of the Master. Especially based on the Pirush. Now we say, that which a servant acquires, is acquired by his master, is not in a way that first the servant acquires it for himself. And then, as a result of that, it ends up going to the master. But rather, the moment, automatically it goes to the master, because it's, he doesn't have a metzius for himself. And therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu is not a Metzius for himself, he's the Eved Hashem, so just like the handiwork of Hashem are eternal, so too is the handiwork of Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the Eved Hashem. Says that Rebbe, in fact, we could apply the same idea to the Beis HaMikdash as well, to a certain extent. Says that Rebbe, why is it that Asherah, Ashkin and the Mikdash comes because of David HaMelech? Chazal tell us... <coughs> Shloim HaMelech wanted to bring in the Orin into the base Hamikdash, the gates were closed, etc. Shloim HaMelech has to daven. And when do the gates finally open for him? When he says, Hashem Eloikim al Tarshev Pnei Mishichecha, don't turn away the face of your anointed one, meaning David HaMelech, Zohra Lechazde David Avdecha, remember David's kindness. Only then was he able to bring in the Orin into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Shechina was dwelling over there. That means, uh, this is a similar idea. Since there had to be the Ashras, Ashkina was now going to have to come in a more, in an eternal way. And we said at least there needed to be some sort of hachana, at least a preparation by the human beings that are going to make the Beis Amigdash and the Kalim, etc. Although again, the main thing is happening by Hashem, but there needed to be a certain hachana. So it needed to be something similar to what Moshe Rabbeinu did. Moshe Rabbeinu, we said, his handiwork are lasting forever and ever. In a similar way, he's regarding David HaMelech. It comes in the schus of David. He is also an Eved Hashem. He's being called a servant. As Shloima emphasizes in his tefillah, you should remember David Avdecha. And because... It's also his handiwork. Also, we say about them that they're eternal and they're therefore shalt to them. Even just like by Moshe, we say the enemies couldn't take control over the handiwork. The same thing we say about David the Melech as well. Says the Rebbe, based on what we explained about what menucha is all about, a menucha means the resting place of the mindset of the person himself and his kalim, as we explained. Says the Rebbe. Now we can also apply this idea of menucha in regards to Yerushalayim. Because we said before there is an opinion menucha refers to Yerushalayim also. But the main thing is that Rebbe says we have a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Bachar Hashem Betzioin, etc. Zois menuchasi adeyatsi. Yerushalayim is also sometimes described as menucha. Although we said before that Nachla is the main advantage of Yerushalayim. So why is Yerushalayim also sometimes described as menucha? Says the Rebbe, in other words, seemingly we should have just said Zois Nachalasi. Menucha is more the idea of Shiloh, as we said. Nachalas Yerushalayim. So why do we have a pasuk about Yerushalayim being also Menucha? Says the Rebbe, because in the third base of Migdosh, we're going to have both Milo's, both advantages. Nachla and Menucha. That is, the eternity is going to be not only in the place of the Mikdash, like in the first and second base of Migdosh, that Hashem chose this space, 
but also in the building itself, which we said before, the building and things similar to the building are associated with the menucha rather than nachla. We said before that the kalim and the building, that's menucha. But in this case, the building will also be eternal. Why? Because Hashem Himself is going to build it. As the Pasuk says, Migdash Adnai Koinanu Yadecha. That's the Migdash that Hashem Himself builds. As the Zoya says, that the third base of Migdash is going to be built through Hashem Himself. And that's why it's going to last forever and ever. The Rebbe asks, seemingly we could ask, the simple meaning of Zois Menuchasi Adei Ad is not referring to the third base of Migdash, but about the first base of Migdash. Furthermore, the Rambam brings the Pasuk that we quoted, said before, that once the Mikdash was built in Yerushalayim, no longer could you have a Mikdash anywhere else. That's referring to right away as soon as the base of Mikdash, the first base of Mikdash is built. If that's the case, how could we at that point call it Zois Minuchasi? Why are we calling it Menucha? Nachla should be the description. Menucha, we said, could possibly refer to the third base of Mikdash. But not Luchayin and not the first base Amigdosh. Says the Rebbe, the explanation is like this. The Gemara tells us an Erevin regarding the journeys and the campings of the Bnei Yisrael in the Midbar. That the Pasuk says, Al pi Hashem yachanu, it was by the word of Hashem, by the order of Hashem, where the Yidin would camp. Al pi Hashem yisoh, by the order of Hashem, by the word of Hashem, that's where they would travel. The Gemara says, since it was everything by the word of Hashem, therefore, even though they may be seemingly in a, in a place for a short amount of time, they're only in a tent, not in a permanent way. But since, right now, the way they're resting in their tent is because of the order of Hashem, then command the Kaviyu dummy for them, it's considered as if this is the permanent place here, this is where we are now permanently. So even though it's an oil, it's a temporary place, but at this time, while we're camping over here, we're fully permanent in this place. Says the Rebbe, we can apply the same thing to the Beis HaMikdash. Since it's Alpi Hashem, since the Mikdash is being called by the word of Hashem, it's referred to as with the term bias. The whole point was that the Mishkan was oil, but now the Abishter is in a bias. Therefore, it does have a strong level of permanence. That means the Mikdash itself is not viewed as it is, as if it's only something Lefisha, something temporary, but it has something similar to the idea of Menucha, a certain permanence in the sense of keva that right now we hear permanently because the Abish to consider this a bias as opposed to a oil, a more permanent place. It says the Rebbe, therefore we could use the term menucha even in regards to the Beis HaMikdash. Why is that? Because the shleimus of menucha, we said before, menucha would apply in the parts and the vessels of the Mishkan. Now, so again, the full menucha would be in the third Beis HaMikdash when the building itself will also be forever. But may ain something similar to this, we already have also in the first and second base of Mikdash. Since it's Alpi Hashem, by the word of Hashem, they are being referred to as the base, the bias, the base of Mikdash, not only in oil, therefore to a certain extent, there is a certain permanence also as far as the base of Mikdash itself is concerned at the time when it's standing. Says the Rebbe, with this we could also explain why the is the preparations to the building of the base of Mikdash, had to be done through David, as it's discussed in Ach. Because as we said before, the handiwork of David is eternal. And therefore, also within the, in the base of Migdash itself, there is somewhat of that same eternity. Nevertheless, ultimately it did eventually fall into the hands of the enemies. Because practically the building was made not by David, only the Hachanis were made by David. But the building itself was made by Shloim HaMelech. The Rebbe goes on and says, 
It was explained earlier, what the Sephoranu says, that one of the milus of the Mishkan, for which it was fitting that it should be eternal and everlasting, is because it had the Luchos. It's called Mishkan O'edus in our Pasuk, because the Luchos O'edus were there. Says the Rebbe, just like there is this common denominator between the Mishkan and the third base of Mikdash, that they both have the level of Nitzchius in an open, revealed way, also in the parts of the Mishkan and the Kalim. So too, there's a certain common denominator, says the Rebbe, also in the reason of why they're eternal. As the Sephardim puts it, that both the Mishkan in the Midbar and the Migdash Ashlishi, the Aroin was in its place during the whole time of when the Mishkan existed, and so too by the third base of Migdash when we're going to have it. As opposed to the second base of Migdash that didn't have the Aroin at all, and the first base of Migdash towards the end, Yoshio had hidden the Aroin, so it wasn't there the whole time either. So the Oren again is bringing the Nitzchi is both in the Mishkan and in the third base of Mikdash. The Rebbe says, we discussed earlier at length that also the Mikdash Rishon and Sheni have a certain element of this Nitzchi, but by them it's mainly, primarily it's not so much about the physical structure or parts of the Mikdash, but mainly the fact that the Shechina dwells in the space and the place of the Mikdash. That means it's not the same kind of Nitzchis as it was in the Mishkan, that the physical parts of the Mishkan are eternal, but the Nitzchis is more of a Ruchni, is the thing that the Shechina is dwelling there, and the Shechina can never be bottled. So the Rebbe says, based on this we have to say, what is it that the Orin is adding? What's the Orin accomplishing in Nitzchis? The whole point is that it's not only about a Ruchni, is the Ka'ashra, but rather, as we just said, the main point is that there's a certain Gashmi, is the Nitzchis, eternity physically in the parts on the Kalim of the Mishkan. So how do we understand this? What's this idea of the Orin specifically achieving the Nitzchis in the physical aspect of the Mishkan? Says so the Rebbe, we're going to understand this by first prefacing the idea of the Orin in Avoidas Hashem. Every single Yid is a Mishkan, a place for Hashem, as the famous words of the Razal on the Pasuk, that Hashem dwells inside of each and every Yid. Now, just like in the Beis HaMikdash, there were three sections, three departments. There was the Azorah, the courtyard, there's the Kodesh, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that has the Aroin. So too, there are these three sections in the individual Mikdash of every single Yid. The Azorah, the courtyard, in which it stands, the Mizbeach HaChitzoin, the outer Mizbeach, that represents the Avoidah that a Yid is serving Hashem, what's called Chitzoin Yisalev, the more external part of his heart. We then move on to the Kodesh, the Holies, in which stood the Mizbeach HaPnimi, the inner Mizbeach, represents the Pnimi Yisalev, a much deeper internal part of a Yid's heart. Then we have the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in which the Orin stood. That represents the deepest of the deepest place, the most essence, the essential place, the Yechidah. Regarding the Yechidah, there's an expression that Chassidus brings based on a Gemara, Bevua de Bevua Leislehu, Literally, it's referring to the difference between a human being and a demon, without getting into all those details right now, but the point is that Klippa does not have this level of Yechida. There's nothing even to oppose this level of Yechida. This is the deepest essence of the Yid. And therefore, regarding the lower levels, we could say um, that sometimes there's a Klippa against it, but not regarding the Yechida. In fact, the Rebbe says, even on levels that are somewhat lower than Yechidah, we say that even while a Yid is doing the Aveda, the Neshama is always faithful to Hashem. Definitely the Yechidah, this is a part that's always eternal. And therefore, it's not possible that the enemies, that the Klippos should be able to affect it, touch it, blemish it, and so on. 
That's the idea of the deepest part of the Neshama, similar to the Aroin, which no one could impact. Says the Rebbe, this is also the level that's referred to as the Moshe inside of each and every one. And this is similar to the Aroin, the idea of Torah. Torah is the idea of Moshe, as it says, Zichru Toiras, Moshe Avdi. So that deepest level inside of us, that's the Aroin, that's the Torah, that's the Moshe inside of each and every one of us. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand why specifically these two times, the times of the Mishkan, and the time when Moshiach comes, Lassad Lavoy, that's when we have the Aroin, which represents again in Avoid, this represents the deepest part of the Yid's Nisham, or the Moshe inside of the Yid, the Aroin is standing in a permanent, revealed, open way, in its right place. Why in these two times specifically? So first of all, the Mishkan of the time of the Midbar. The Doira Midbar was considered a Doir Deo, a knowledgeable generation. Which means that the whole generation was really all on the same level, standing together with Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu's Indian, as explaining Kisvei Arizal's idea of Da'as, and his whole generation is being called Doir Deya. That means they're all in tune with this deepest part of themselves, the Moshe Rabbeinu, inside of themselves. So too when Mashiach comes, when it will be the time that it says, Umal Hashem, Hashem will circumcise your heart, will remove even the thinnest, most subtle klipois, What's going to happen? The deepest part of our heart will once again be revealed. Again, the Moshe Rabbeinu inside of us. As opposed to the time of the end of the first Beis HaMikdash, as well as during the whole time of the second Beis HaMikdash, which even though, yes, the Orin was in existence, was never destroyed, was never taken away, never was taken by the enemies, Chas v'sholem. nevertheless, it was concealed, it was hidden, as we said before, that Yoshio hid the Orin. Says the Rebbe, now we can also explain why the Rambam specifically calls it Mikdash Hamidbor. He refers to the Mishkan as the Mikdash Hamidbor. We know that the Rambam in his Sefer is also hinting to certain matters of Kabbalah and so too over here. This term Mikdash Hamidbor is hinting to this idea we just spoke about the Mishkan, that in him, that in the Mishkan, the Orin is standing in an open, revealed way in its place. Because this level of the deepest part of our Neshama, is sometimes referred to as the midbar of the neshama. That means, we know there's a passage that says about a midbar, that's not a place of a, where a man dwells, where a human being dwells. Sometimes that's even in a negative way. But sometimes we mean it's beyond the regular levels of man. Midbar beyond the man. This is the level of, Adam would usually be like the seichel, the intellect and so on. And the midbar aspect is that level of the mesiras nefesh, that goes beyond intellect, beyond logic. Says the Rebbe, this is also what we find by Mashiach. Mashiach, we associate him with a level called Ma'oid. Ma'oid meaning bleakful, going beyond limitations, higher than Adam. The Pasik says, Hine Yaskil Avdi Yorum Venisa Vagava Ma'oid, our Mashiach is going to be exalted, etc. Very, very high, the term Ma'oid. Chsidis explains that the word Ma'oid, on the one hand, is the same letters as the word Adam. But the combination Mem Aleph Dalad represents that it's completely bleakful, higher than Adam. Like we said over here, what's the idea of Midbor in Kedusha? The positive idea of Midbor. Something higher than the Adam, a place that Lo of Adam Shah, a place that's higher than Adam. That's the Darga that we said, that's the Aroin. Because through Mashiach, again, the Aroin is going to be brought back to its open and revealed place. And how does the Rambam refer to the place of the Migdash and the Midbar, as we said, specifically associated with the Midbar, because this represents that level that's higher than Adam, that's higher than the ordinary levels of the Neshama. Now the Rebbe discusses this idea of Adam. The Rebbe says it's known 
that these three letters, Aleph, Dalad, Mem, represent three levels of Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa. The Aleph represents Machshava, the Dalad is Dibur, the Mem is Maisa. The Rebbe doesn't go on over here to explain exactly why Aleph is Machshava. In some places it's associated with the idea of Aleph Chachachma, the idea of wisdom, etc. Without getting into it right over here, Dalad is Rashtavis of Dibur, Mem is Maisa. But the point is that when we have the word Adam, that's an order Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa. When you have Me'oid, what happens? The Mem is first, the Maisa is first. That means it's higher than the normal order of Adam. We're starting with Maisa with action. What's the explanation of this? Says the Rebbe, we said before, what's the level higher than Adam? That Midbar aspect, that's Mesidas Nefesh. Mesidas Nefesh is specifically going to be expressed in action, in what seems to be the lowest. The famous concept of notes, Chiloson Besoifon. The highest level is expressed Dafke in the lowest. This is similar to another explanation in Chassidus on the words, Eina Roich Lecha Boilom Hazeh, we say in Shabbos Davenin. Eina Roich means there's no one compared to Hashem. It represents a certain bleakful, that infinite space between us and Hashem. So what's Pshat Eina Roich Lecha Boilom Hazeh? Chassidus explains that it's specifically in this world where the Eina Roich, that bleakful of above, is expressed. And so too in regards to a yid. Where is that bleakful, the Mesidas Nefesh of the deepest part of the heart? Where is that revealed? That's revealed specifically in the Maisa. In that, and that's why we said it's Ma'oy. By Mashiach, we emphasize the idea of Mem Aleph Dalad. Maisa first. Says the Rebbe, this is the connection between the two ideas of the Mishkan and the third Beis Hamikdash. Number one, that the Oroin is in its place and in a revealed way. Number two, that we have the Gashmi as the parts of the Mishkan and the Mikdash in an eternal way. Because this idea of the Oroin, which represents the deepest part of our life, the deepest parts of our neshama, is expressed specifically in the idea of the action, in the Gashmi, is the Kenitzchi, is eternity of all parts and vessels of the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash.